a long time ago, a million years BC, the best things in life was absolutely free. But no one appreciated a sky that was always blue. No one congratulated a moon that was always new. So it was planned that they would vanish now and then. And you must pay before you get them back again. And that's what storms are made for. And you shouldn't be afraid. Every time it rains, it rains. Pennies from heaven. Don't you know each cloud contains to watch, Eve. What do you mean, you like to watch? I like to watch. I am Don Hall. And I'm Don Smith. And this is I Like to Watch, just another fucking podcast about film with <laughs> two white guys talking about film um and uh we've basically just so you understand if this is the first time you joined us we one of us will pick a movie that we really like to watch and then we will both take time over the course of two weeks we will watch them and then uh and then we talk about that movie uh, some movies perhaps that were influenced by that movie and then surprise each other with some trailers tonight's movie is my pick yes and yes. it comes from nine comes from 1981 Stars, uh, it's the second movie that starred uh, Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters, uh, the first one being The Jerk. Um, this was called Pennies from Heaven. It was directed by Herbert Ross. It was created by Dennis Potter. And a little bit of background, Pennies from Heaven originally was a 1978 BBC musical drama. And, uh, it, and and it's uh, it's one of several Potter serials. The other one being probably more known, the Singing Detective, where he takes the reality of a drama, like a really dark drama, and then has characters burst into extended performances of popular songs that have that were not written for that musical. Now here's a little bit little bit of background. Um, in '78. Herbert Ross, the director, was shooting a film, and he invited Potter to write the screenplay for his next project. But after watching Pennies from Heaven on television one evening, he contacted Potter and said, I'd rather you adapt this for a movie. It was launched at MGM, and it was known as an anti-musical with Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters in the lead roles. Um, the film was released in 81. It uh, was a box office bomb. It totally failed. It had a $22 million budget, made about $9 million. One of the reasons I picked this is it's one that very, I'm, I'm assuming very few people have seen this film. Um, he was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, but he lost on Golden Pond, um, which is funny. And so this is... One of my favorite movies, like uh, this is definitely in my top 10. We talked about that when we talked about Fight Club. It's totally in my top 10. Wow. Pennies from Heaven. Wow. And that, you obviously I, did not jam on this movie. Look, it blows my mind. This is in your consistent top 10. This doesn't fall in and Abs out. Absolutely. It's no, no, this is consistently one of my top 10. Okay. So um, here's the thing. Yeah. Part of the reason that, that you and I met is uh because i came up doing musical theater right and mm -hmm. and we, we were right there together doing a lot of it back in the day and so for me uh part of this movie works amazingly and i love parts of this movie so much um as an overall narrative it was really really hard for me to get into this movie 
Uh, I saw it back in the day, uh, probably a few times. I don't really remember them, uh, uh, the viewings back in the day. Um, I, uh, of course, in the last episode, I, uh, when, you, when you called this movie out, I said, oh, yeah, Christopher Walken, tap dancing on a bar. And, um, yeah, that's literally the only thing I remembered going into uh, watching this movie. And, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was rough for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how you want to go about talking about this movie. Um, I, 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 I did kind of like my own little commentary while watching it the second time this last week. Okay. I, ju- I just started, I just started like messaging myself on my phone, you know? Okay. Yeah. Well, just, just, well, let just me tell thoughts, you, but go ahead. Just yeah, like yeah, we did, yeah. Just, just like we did last time right with, uh, with clue. Yeah. I'll tell you why I like it. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you exactly why I like to watch it. And mm-hmm. then you can tell me exactly. I want to know what your rough spots were. Sure. Um, one of the things that I just want to bring this up is, uh, this is not a long tradition, but the tradition of taking existing pop songs Ooh. and writing a narrative around them. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's interesting that you mentioned us meeting in musical theater because the first piece of musical theater you and I did together, I was the musical director and you were in the chorus, was the very first example of this sort of jukebox musical thing, Anything Goes. That was. That was a Cole it, Porter yeah, jukebox musical. It was a, yeah, it okay. was. It was originally the book was a collaborative effort by Guy Bolton and P.J. Wodehouse. Ooh. But basically, what they did is they went to Cole Porter and said, "Can we use some of your your super popular songs?" Because mm-hmm. and it was a total it was a total money grab. It was totally these were already very very popular songs. They said, "Hey, can we take these popular songs and write this story and use them, and then everybody will come to hear the songs?" And it's a broad, and it was a huge hit. It was a giant hit in nineteen thirty four. Now, this this has not been done a whole lot. In fact, the most recent example in terms of television, because obviously Dennis Potter was more television than he was film, with Singing Detective and the original Pennies from Heaven, which actually starred uh, Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins, right, right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is, uh, and I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember Cop Rock? Oh, yeah. What was that? That was not Judge Reinhold. No, that was not Judge no, Reinhold. He did that the, was a, a Daniel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cop Rock. I do. I I never saw it, but I. It's out there. In the oh ether. God! Well, it's in the ether. Well, so I know it. But Cop Rock was basically here's a <laughs> here's a Hill Street Blues sort of drama, where they just just randomly go into song, and wow. that that the song is yeah. Wait, that was 1990. Yeah. Oh yeah. S- Stephen Bochco? Holy yes, cow! It was. What? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Also a huge wow. failure. Yeah. So let me tell you why. <laughs> let me tell you why I love Pennies from Heaven. All right. um, I love Pity from, and I love it, it, it. Like it's one of those movies I can consistently watch any part of it. Wow. And and just be mesmerized. And okay. there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is I think it's it it is far more theatrical. Um, and I'm a theater guy, yeah, you know, old, yeah, old yeah. school theater guy. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, and, and it is a uniquely, in my opinion, beautiful movie. And if you watch closely, um, there are odes in the set design and in the pictures that uh, Ross created. Oh, yeah. That are, um, no. that are homages to great paintings up into and including them sitting in the Nighthawks diner. Edward Hopper. At one point. Yep. yep you know? Yep. And so there's a lot of that. I got that. But I yep. think it's yep. I think it's beautiful. I think it's fun. I mm-hmm. think it's weird. It's so fucking weird. Um and it is one of the most depressing. I mean it, it's set in the depression. And so of course you know, it it's it's gonna be depressing. And it is a, a uniquely depressing film. Uh, uh, you, populated with these well and that's what that's one of the things i think is amazing about it is that the depression for so many people was a horrible time Mm -hmm. and and the songs that came out during that time were these like crazy upbeat goofy love songs and happy songs and you know that's the story of that's the glory of I mean just like these yeah, kinds yeah, of songs yeah, yeah yeah and and I love the I love the real bittersweet salty sugary kind of you know and because it doesn't make a lot of sense but it works for me in so many ways 
Uh, and and I love uh, right out of the bat, uh, Steve Martin is the least likable character in fiction. I mean, he's such a piece of shit. It's, he's not even mean. He's just such a thoughtless, horny douchebag from the beginning to the very end. Mm-hmm. And that is something that's kind of hard to take. Here's a story. Mind if I smoke? No. You want one? No. In a band? This man and this woman singer? They... Arthur, what's this got to do with being married? Just a minute, a minute. At the hotel where they were playing, see? They gave the elevator operator a $20 bill to stop the elevator between floors and turn his back. Do people do things like that? Like what, Eileen? Make love in an elevator. We mean like kissing, do you? Oh, that all. Oh, Eileen, Eileen, that's a good girl. You knew what I was talking about. Would you ever do that? What they did? Between which floors, Arthur? Naughty to rouge your lips, shake your shoulders, shake your hips. Let a lady confess I want to keep that. We were in LA and Dana was house sitting and we were I came visit her and she was like, Hey, I'm in LA, I think it's time to watch La La Land. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she'd never seen La La Land, and I, I thought it was fine. La La Land is fine. Uh, it's not my favorite thing. There are a couple of moments that I think are amazing, but yeah. for the most part, it's like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. But we watched it, and about, oh, I want to say probably 25 minutes into it, she goes, oh, I get it. This is for old people. Oh. And 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 what she and I and I the thing is, she doesn't like musicals, so I understood the comment is this is a, a tribute to a bygone era. And the Busby Berkeley, like like the bank scene where they're singing the song and they're dancing and the yeah. gigantic quarters yeah, just comes roll, you know. Rolling. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, just yeah, so, yeah, yeah. it's just so much fun yeah. and and ev- everything about it. Just I, I I I'm so the thing about it is I've seen it. Oh God, I don't even know how many times I've seen it, and it still catches me off guard how much I love this fucking movie. Wow. I sing along. I love it. I love the fact that Steve Martin, before he did this movie, did not know how to tap dance. Yeah, I know that I, you know. He learned to tap dance to do this movie, and he's fucking extraordinary. Outstanding. Outstanding. And one of the things, I just want to share this, because it's one of the things, uh, specifically for this podcast, Mm -hmm. I've always wondered about... Vernell Bagneris. Hmm. And he's the accordion man. He's the one that does Singing in the Rain and does that amazing and beautiful dance in the Rain of, of Pennies. Yes, and yes, yes. That, I mean, yes. he's just so... He's oh, the heart and soul of this fucking it's a movie. Beautiful, he's the heart and soul a, of it. Those are, those are some of my most beautiful moments. It, it's that. just extraordinary. Who, what's his and name his, again? His name is Vernell, V-E-R-N-E-L... Bagneris, B-A-G-N-E-R-I-S. And I didn't, until until I started, I looked him up. He was an experimental theater guy. He was way into avant-garde theater. He started a theater company in New Orleans. Wow. He went to Amsterdam to find the, the Blood and Circus. I mean, he, this guy was deep, deep, deep into experimental avant-garde musical theater. Right. And, and, you know, he, he he had a career. I mean, he did other films and things. He's been in other stuff. Sure. But this particular movie, is he's just... And I went... Because he's so magnetic. And how did he get attached to this movie? Is the, I guess that would be a big question, right? Like, to do it, you know, and, a deep and, and dive and on that. It. Like, I mean, he was I in... I'm looking at his information. In, he's in Ray from 2004. Yeah. The... the, 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 the uh, Jamie Fon- like uh, that's amazing. Like, how did he? This get is one atta- of who found him. Who found this amazing artist? Probably Steve Martin, to be honest. Probably right? it's very like it's very Probably. likely it was Steve Martin yeah. or, or or Dennis or Dennis Potter because Potter was really into avant garde theater or, as well. I mean, or, or Bernadette Peters. His, I mean, she yeah, she his, probably was. She was in, huge like, in theater. Wow. The second thing I thought was interesting wow. is he was amazing. Is 
I, I looked up Herbert Ross because I knew Herbert Ross directed this, but I didn't really know anything about Herbert Ross. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Herbert Ross, and he's got 25 films under oh, yeah. his belt, but yeah. I, I just want to throw out a couple that I thought were like, oh, my God. Right. Go he ahead. directed Played Play Again, Sam. Yeah. He directed Funny Lady. Yeah. He directed The Goodbye Girl. Mm-hmm. He directed Footloose. Footloose. Hello. Which is another one of my Hello. favorites. He directed Steel Magnolias. This is a guy. And, and Dude, the thing about it is. Secret of My Success is, with Michael J. Yeah. Fox. And and reteamed with Martin, Steve Martin, my blue heaven, <laughs> my blue heaven, like my come blue on. And so that, but the thing I love about this is that you, in those movies, I mean, you know, that's the thing. It it he's not the same direct. I mean, he's the same director, but he's theatrical. He's theatrical. All, he's yeah. very theatrical. I mean, if you look at and his this movies, movie, oh there no, isn't a moment in this film. There's not a shot no. wasted. No, the sets are extraordinary. Everything about this, the, in fact, the only thing, and I have said this for 12, 15 years I've loved this movie, mm. the only single detail that just looks fake and doesn't work. And this isn't a movie where they're breaking into songs uh, from yeah, the 1930s. I'm, right. Lip-syncing the songs. So, lip-syncing the songs, which Steve Barnes not the best lip-singer, but Bernadette Peter nails it, and Verno... Vernell nails it. He nails it. He's so fucking good. But what one of the things that I always is the Lulu tattoo on Walken's chest is so obviously not a tattoo. It is so obviously been painted on. All they needed was a little powder. Just a little powder on that goddamn thing. That's the only thing in this entire movie that wow. I think is cheesy. Everything right. else nails it for me. So I don't tell think, me your thoughts. Yeah, I don't think anything is cheesy in this movie. I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh-uh. Like, none of it's cheesy. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just, I'm just, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go down my list. Yeah. Yeah, tell me, tell me I your believe, thoughts about this. I believe everyone is actually dancing. There are like a like a thousand amazing dancers from grown ass oh, pe- I know. from grown ass people to little ass children on fucking grand mini grand pianos. It's fucking one of doing my favorite shit. sequences. The tap dance, uh, it's amazing. Like you know, and uh, for the listeners, you know, whatever. Like I grew up, I, I spent like twelve years as a dancer before I got into theater. Yep. And then yes, got in the theater and then got in the film and blah, 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 whatever. But, like, you know, it's legit. The work that they're doing in this movie is 100% legit. And I have no problems with that. There was a lot of fucking talent involved oh, man. in this movie. Oh, God. Like, outstanding amounts of talent. Like, movies nowadays should envy this amount of fucking talent, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, it does not like women very much at all. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, oh, I would disagree uh, with that. Okay, entirely, all right, all okay. right. We'll get into yeah, that. That's an interesting. Um, that's an interesting perspective. To your earlier point, it is a. I, I think it's a horror story. It's a horror story about depression. The the great yeah. one. The great one and Alberts. Uh, Steve Martin's. Yeah. Right. Or Arthur. Yeah. Arthur. 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 Albert. Sorry. 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 Yeah. Arthur. Arthur uh, Parker. At a certain point, I wrote down, "Is it all lip sync?" And then I said, holy shit, yes it is. Every single song in this movie is lip synced, which Except for one. Except for one. Oh, is that right? Okay. Which which when he's which one? When he's when he's standing at the gallows. At, at the very, very end. end. Okay, okay, okay. He that is him actually singing. Because okay. he, he does he does he 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 does sort of like a, a reading of the yeah, it's like a, of it's like a, from heaven. And then yeah. yeah. And and I think that I think because that's the one moment where where anybody's actually singing, and I know it's on purpose because that couldn't possibly have been a mistake. I think it really underscores, sort of like this is this beautiful song that 
when he's dancing it and he's singing, he's smiling and it's wonderful and it's this beautiful message. Now right. he's on the gallows. He's singing it for real. You really hear how goddamn sorrowful that song can be. Right. Which, uh, yeah. you know, and that'll get me to a, a certain point. Um, uh, I, I wrote down David Lynch, the musical. I'll, I'll, see, I don't have a problem with that. I right? really don't no, have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it either. I just, I would just, love to see. Cro- I would that love just to flashed see in my Cro- mind, like Cronenberg or Lynch do a musical. I would be, I would be one hundred percent into. I asked, did David Fincher like this movie? I don't know. But David Fincher did not like this movie because I don't think David Fincher was. I think he may have been like ten years old back then. Yeah. Well, it, that doesn't it, mean it, he doesn't like the movie. <laughs> no, 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 not like the movie. Light. Light. Oh the movie. no! He, oh, God. okay. No, <laughs> there are no, so many. Like there the are so many moments of this movie where people are undeniably completely shadowed. Oh and yeah, and I'm like, uh, clearly it's a choice, but is it like? Is it like uh, a Kubrick? Um, uh, what was the movie he did all with just candlelight? Barry, 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 Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon. Thank you. Yeah, like yeah. is it purposeful because it's the 30s, it's the depression, there's not a lot of light going on or is it just like ah we're keeping people in the shadows because Steve Martin's kind of shady right now. Let yeah. let me answer the question from my perspective because yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually I think it's on purpose and I've cuz again I've watched it so many times. Yeah. And again, uh I think the theme and what I loved about this movie is that there isn't it's in the costuming it's in the lighting it's in the set decoration it is in everything in every aspect of this film the theme is present and the theme is real life in the 30s was fucking hell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the music that they listened to was bright and shiny now think about the lighting because it, it couldn't have been a mistake. Now, you, you were talking about the kids on the, the little baby grand pianos dancing. Mm-hmm. That is in bright white. There's oh, no yeah. shadow in that fucking yeah. thing. Yeah. Think about, the, the, think about the, the, the three salesmen singing the It's, it's Gotta Be a Girl. That's sure. perfectly lit. Nobody's in shadow in that. It is only in the scenes where they're not singing. Right. That thing is very dark and darkly shadowed. And right. that's why. Which, will, uh, which uh, well, I'll get to that point. In a, in a second, right? Well, I mean, I guess I could jump around on my notes, right? Mm. Like, well, I I don't want to jump around on my notes. Like, Je- Jessica Harper is amazing, right? Oh, God, I mean, she's, she's extraordinary. Christ. I mean, I, I think I first saw her in Suspiria. Yeah, it's and, either and this is such a different role. It's a toss-up between Suspiria and, and Phantom of the Paradise. I can't remember which one I saw first because I was probably, like, early fucking teenager when I saw all of those movies. But, um... I mean, she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah, she really is. Chicago, really it's like she's amazing. And then I'm like watching the movie, and I'm like, "What the fuck are they making her do?" I mean, she's got the 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 painted the the lipstick on the nip. Like, this movie fucking hates women. It hates women. Oh, I don't. It demeans. I disagree. So all right, I doesn't. I disagree that it demeans women. I'm sorry. I can't buy that. Keep holding on to that. And I'll, we'll, no, we'll, I'm, we'll I'm not holding on to it at like, all. What? I just don't. I just no, no, don't no, no, no. agree. I mean, I mean, hold on yeah. to it, and then we'll we'll discuss it. But yeah, like, we'll talk about um, that. Bernadette Peters' talent is being wasted. The, again, I'm just running through notes. She is an amazing singer, and they're making her lip sync. Why? I don't. That's fine. I don't. That's fine. Get it? I get the conceit of the movie, right? But like, uh, it just feels like it's just being wasted. Though her chemistry between, I mean, with Steve Martin, it, that's well, that's why like, that's why they cast him. And you, and to your point, you know, yeah, she was wasted in Charlie, the fucking sitcom she was in, where she didn't get to sing either. I, well, yeah, well, I mean, I, I never saw Charlie. She the is sitcom, not, but I she, bet you're right. She, she is not <laughs> a one note right. performer. No, she's not a one note performer. No. She's actually a great actress, and I think she's, I think she's the best part of this movie oh ah interesting okay yeah oh okay okay you know they they were dating at the time right you know that yeah when they made the movie so so it's amazing to kind of watch in this um the second time i watched it i was kind of thinking of um eyes wide shut yeah okay you know so like (laughs) watching two people who are in the midst of their like 
super famous, super relationship yeah. with each other, making a fucking movie where they're yeah. also in, well, uh, you know, one of the, so. one of, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a theory that I have, and there's nothing to substantiate this other than I've always kind of thought that was the case. Mm-hmm. And it is only, and it's only apparent in one moment. And that is when they're singing at the end with the, that, that we got to have a happy ending. Yeah. That's the two, that's the two of them actually singing. Right. And there's not very many lines. They're singing the glory of love, but he sings a verse and then she sings. And I mean, I've heard Bernadette Peters sing my whole life and she's got an amazing voice, but she really underplays her singing. And mm. I think it's because Steve Martin is not a great singer. Sure. He's an amazing presence. He's a great comic mind. Phenomenal he, he performer. Performer, yeah. period. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But he's not a great singer. And so to have him sing a little bit of that and then have her give this fucking Bernadette Peters performance is out of balance in in terms of the performance. And then suddenly you notice that yeah. rather than the song they're singing. And yeah. so I think I think I think she underplayed a lot of things on purpose. Um, and I think it was for, I think it was for the betterment of the story they were telling. Sure. I, you know, I, I, I could get into Christopher Walken, but I, whatever it, um, you know, my biggest thing is, uh, let's see it, this movie swings for the fences, right? Oh yeah. And, and I think that's what I enjoyed about it. Both times that I watched it the first time. Oh yeah. It was, um. It was, it was raw. It, it, it was it was raw. It was really rough. So the second time watching it, I'm like, it's it's it's. Look, I go back to movies all the time, right? That's part of what we're doing with this podcast. Like, what do you love about watching? Why do I watch? Right? I watch movies because I love them. I want to know what works and what doesn't work. And frankly, uh, you know, being in Los Angeles, uh, there was a time. There was a period of time. Uh, I was I'm, I'm part of this theater company and this theater company had uh, a very small company when I first joined it and you could just show up and see the play as many times as you wanted right if there was a seat in the house you did not have to pay a ticket you could just show up the theater was three blocks from my house and so I would just show up whether I loved the play whether I hated the play I would just show up if I had nothing going on Friday Saturday Sunday I would just show up and just, just, uh, why do I love it so much? Why do I not like it? What doesn't work, right? And that's where I started watching it the second time, um, uh, Pennies from Heaven. I'm like, well, why didn't I enjoy it? Like, what didn't work? Why did I like it? As I guess the better question, right? The negativity, like, everybody can hate everything and it doesn't fucking matter, right? But, like, why, what did I like about it? I love that it swung for the fences. I love that it it tried this fucking thing. I mean, pursuant to Clue last time, right? It was doing something at the time that nobody else was doing. Who else was making a Busby Berkeley-type musical in, you know, the fucking early 80s? No one. No one. Let me. Let me. I want to throw something out while you while you yeah, make yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I is one of the things I, I thought about today is uh, somewhere around 1968. In fact, the uh, the 1968 Oscars races was really kind of the most prominent uh, sort of showdown between the old Hollywood system mm-hmm. and what became the very auteur sort of uh, mode. Right. Uh, of the seventies, right, right, right. Um, and that was the big, the big showdown was Doctor Doolittle with uh, David Niven versus Bonnie and Clyde, which was a total independent film and took everybody by storm because nobody saw it coming. And Easy Rider had come out, and so there was this kind of push toward this paint, auteur paint, thing. Paint your wagon was one that sunk the fucking yeah. system back then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so Clint so Eastwood there was, there was singing. That. <laughs> yeah. So that that was a transition, and then the seventies were all this very auteur-driven Scorsese and and Coppola and Bogdanovich. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I thought was interesting is I thought, okay, so 1981, 
This is just at the cusp of a second transition. That transition was from the auteurs to the blockbusters. Because once Hollywood saw that Jaws and and yeah. and, and Close Encounters and yeah. Star Wars yeah. could make you know hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Then that changed the game. Right. Well, this was 81, like that period between 78 and like 80, I want to say 84, was a real transition period. In 1981, here are some of the movies that were coming, that came out in 1981. All right. The Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. The Evil Dead is Sam Riami. It yeah, is yeah, completely yeah. experimental, and it is a slapstick comedy horror film, which had not been done like the way he did it ever. Well, Quest for Fire. Also, 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 Evil Dead was in the vein of of George Romero, which was very independent well, yeah. film, independent financing. Totally independent, so, yeah. uh, completely yeah. different than the kind of Quest, studio thing. But go ahead, yeah, yeah. Quest, Quest for Fire. Mm-hmm. That was that was a whole movie where not a word was spoken. I don't even know what the fuck that movie is. But all right, yeah. Oh my God, Ron Perlman's <laughs> in it. Uh, Ray Dong Chong. Okay. It is. It's Quest for you, dude. You should watch Quest yeah, for I'll, Fire because that'll I'll... fuck you. It's it's basically about cavemen. Okay. Um, Excalibur. Oh yeah, 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 Borman. Yeah. yeah, and that is one of the most fucking weird movies. Oh, you yeah. Know? I mean, it's like yeah, that just that'll blow your mind. Yeah. Time Bandits. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody was yeah. doing anything like Time Bandits. Das Boot. Yeah, yeah, Peterson. Yeah, okay, all right. Hey, and Time Time Bandits was um, Gilliam, right? Gilliam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, first his first film. Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal came out. Oh God! In 1981. Good Lord. Okay. Your Your Man, Michael Mann, Thief. Thief. Very experimental in its way. Yeah. Yeah. Scanners. Cronenberg's Scanners. Totally unseen. Nobody had ever seen anything. And My Dinner with Andre. Never None of these that. movies. Yeah, yeah, fuck that one. That's just Wallace Shawn and Andre Previn sitting and talking. No one would. No one. Fuck that movie. Ten years later, would make any of these movies. Would make any of these movies. Just like no one would have ever even considered financing Pennies from Heaven. Right. There was this transition. So I think it was a time period where those auteurs had gotten some power, but they were. They were really trying to find out how far they could go, what they could do, what they could get away with, and still manage to tell the story. And I think this fits firmly in that that category. Another thing for me that maybe would have sold me more on this movie. I wish it was all in black and white. Mm. See, I, I hear you. I would have... You know, I would have gone. I would have gone. I would go so far as it would be interesting to see the the real to life scenes mm. in black and white, mm-hmm. and then the musical numbers because that emphasizes again the lighting thing we're talking about. That emphasizes that would have been how bad it would have been. A the more, problem I would it would have been a, it would have been a more succinct delineation between the fantasy yeah. and the reality, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's and, one of the big. That was one of my big sticking points about this movie. I have a fucking note right here. Yeah, but th- but um, then you miss if you go black and white. What you miss is there are at least uh, the last count I did. There are at least ten um, paintings or murals from earlier or in the thirties that are represented in in the set or uh, like there's I mean even in things like when he's driving down the road. Mm-hmm. And picks up the hitchhiker, picks up the accordion man. Mm-hmm. The shot of him driving down the road, if you look at it, you freeze frame it, that is actually a very famous painting. Okay. And that's what this movie is doing. And so if you made him black and white, you lose that. And right. so I know he but what about, do that. But what about freeze frame that moment? Right? Freeze frame that moment, make it color so it's like the painting. And then go back into. I don't. I don't know. Like it, I think that would be. Too, cool, I, I think that's too much work it, for, the, it, well, for the audience. And it could be kind of. It's, that's, that's and me. it could be kind of trite. I don't know. Like the cool thing about all of this shit that we're discussing, right? This movie, every other movie, it, it's all armchair quarterbacking, right? Like oh yeah, that's it's, well, that's so, what it's all, like shoulda, woulda, coulda. Uh, you know, I would have done it this way. You know, yeah. And so like they did a good job. I, you know, I, again, the bit, the contrast between what is real. And what is imagined is where the movie kind of falls apart for me. Oh, it does. See, I think it's so obvious. Like you mentioned Jessica Harper. It's my, it, it, I can't say it's my favorite moment. It is among 
like my top five favorite moments from this film mm-hmm. is when she when you know he says I she says do you love me and he says I love you and this is after he has humiliated her he's left her he's humiliated her he's lied to her and he's convinced her to give the money that she didn't want to give so he can open and he's now celebrating and she says do you love me that's all she's asking for in return mm-hmm. and he says of course i do doll and then she has the song where she's singing you better you know if you say you love me you better fucking mean it and she's slowly coming up behind him with a fucking with pair of scissors yeah or the scissors. it's a pair scissors. of scissors and it's scissors. And, and it's just like that and her face and then the minute he turns around she's still in bed that's the, yeah yeah, yeah. She's, I just think it's it's just I think I think the delineation between what's really happening, what's not, and what is fantasy is very clear. No, um, no, whether no, or not you like well, wh- whether or not you like the story is a different. That's a different thing. And it sounds to me like you really don't like the storyline. No, well, look the the delineations are clear. I mean, you talk about Christopher Walken tap dancing on the bar. That whole fucking it's obvious. Yeah, it's very obvious. But for me, if it, for me, it could have, it, it's just so hard. It's just so hard. It, it, it's, the movie is super fucking depressing, right? Oh, it yeah. Is, it is bleak as fuck. But for uh-huh. me, the musical moments work awesome. Like, I want to see that musical. I want to see just and, that musical See, and that's, without and this the fucking is why- other shit. It's one of the things that I actually really love about this. Uh, and, and again, I, I understand why people who dislike musicals dislike them. Hmm. And this musical I says, don't like those people, what we're, but go ahead. Well, yeah. This, but this, what this musical does <laughs> is it does what no other musical really tries to do, which is, and even in some of our examples that we're going to give um, of, of things that were inspired, this movie sure. says... These musical, these musical numbers that happen in the middle of the narrative that push the narrative forward in some way, we are not going to have it be naturally because that's the thing is it makes no, most people that don't like musicals will say it makes no fucking sense to have you and I talking and then suddenly an orchestra and just, we just continue, we just start singing like nothing's weird. This movie says we're going to break that in half. We are getting rid of that device because the, the, the again going back to the theme because what was really happening in the 30s was fucking depressing it was in fact called the depression I mean, and what was list, and what people were listening to was completely opposite of that and he says we're going to play that game that's the game we're going to play we're not going we're going we're going to just cut to this bizarre reality where they're tap dancing and then we're going to go right back without any kind of like like no no segue it's just boom it's just very sharp it's very right. arch i love that right but you know I, I i'm sure you came across this this quotation at some point in your research or just knowing the movie itself is this the steve martin is no this the fred the fred astaire reception? oh fred astaire hated this fucking, fucking movie. hated this movie he says i have never spent two more miserable hours in my life uh-huh. every scene was cheap and vulgar they don't realize that the 30s were a very innocent age and that the film, It, should have been set in the 80s. It was just froth. It makes you cry. It's so distasteful. Now, look, this is a guy... Well, if you're Fred Astaire and you're rich... You're rich, you know, and you've made a living dancing in fucking tuxedos. I imagine the thirties was awesome. Like, I guess, I'm, yes. I'm sure he thought it was great, but I'm pretty sure the thirties were not an innocent time. Not for most fucking people. No, exactly. Not at and all. this movie is not. This all. movie is not about. This movie is not about those people. This so, movie is about the people who can't make it again, who did not make it, I, who did destroy their lives. Fair enough. I just felt like there was such there was such a back and forth between. Um, the the kind of magical musical numbers that happened, and then go. It, it was just it was jarring. the The transitions were very fucking jarring for me, and that's like that. Look, it's only on two recent viewings. Maybe I'll explore. I own the I, D- I, I own the DVD now. I'm stuck with you it. You should watch. it. I have it. Well, you gave uh, you gave me the you but, gave me the the you gave me the quote. I'm going to give you a quote. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. this movie. Yeah. 
This is from Steve Martin yep. in a Rolling Stone interview. Oh, yeah, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. He says, I'm disappointed that it didn't open as a blockbuster, and mm-hmm. I don't know what's to blame other than it's me and not a comedy. I must say that the people who get the movie in general have been wise and intelligent. The people who don't get it are ignorant scum. Can I can I ask when no I and I lo- I love I love that and I love Steve Martin it makes me laugh. and that's why yeah. I'm I'm like well I want to get it I want to get it like I want to get the movie um, my question to Steve Martin when was that well my question to you when was that article written in Rolling Stone oh I did hold on I'll have to look yeah uh, what is that I was just reading what it is and that I interview just closed it out. That is Rolling Stone. While you're looking, um, while you're looking for that, I was just listening. I was listening to NPR a couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, <clears throat> a week ago. There was a, uh, it's some anniversary for LA Story. February eighteenth, nineteen eighty two. Eighty two is when he is when he said that. Eighty two so, is when he made that. So a year later, after the movie, yep, basically. Okay, yep. Um, I just was listening to NPR the other day and. I forget who was interviewing him, but there was some interview about uh, some anniversary about L.A. Story, the movie that he mm-hmm. wrote. Did he direct that movie? I have to look. I believe so. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Pull it up. I remember L.A. Story. Right here. That was definitely no, no, no. Steve Martin Directed thing. by Mick Jackson, written by Steve okay. Martin, whatever. Okay. okay. So, yeah, the interviewer even asked him, "Have you? how do you feel about the movie? Does it still play today? And Steve Martin literally said, I have not seen it since the movie came out. And that was 1991. <laughs> so, like, I love Steve Martin. I, I, would oh, yeah. be, I would be curious to ask if I was sitting in front of Steve Martin right now with you talking about this podcast, I would ask him, how do you feel about you Pennies from Heaven? Like? What do you think about that movie? What what memories do you have? How do you think it plays now? You know what I mean? Like that that's what I would ask. Because like That'd at the fun. time, at the time, I mean, he was 36 years old, right? So yeah. remember when we were that age and that that kind of like I mean, he was a fucking star, man. He was just just unfucking touchable. So of course he's going to come out and say, "Oh, you didn't like it? Fuck you." And God, yeah, yeah. And and God bless course, him for that. And of, That's and, amazing. And, and of course, Fred Astaire. And of course, Fred Astaire would say it's embarrassing and debauched. Uh, for for sure. He was, basically, he was basically Jessica Harper's dad. Yeah. Look, I get in the thirties from Fred Astaire. So I get it from Fred Astaire. But I'll I get, be honest with you. I get the old man vibe I don't care from Fred Astaire. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care what either of these men think about it because uh, I watched. You it, love I it. watched it this afternoon. There you go. And it wouldn't matter if Fred Astaire was sitting right next to me or Steve <laughs> Martin sitting right next to me, and they were both telling me you shouldn't like this. This is a piece fuck of you. shit. I would tell them, "Go fuck you." You're I love lights. this goddamn movie. I love everything about it. Love. E- All right. So. What I will say, think? I will say. So oh. this is so this is not the first oh. jukebox musical, though, right? No, it's not. You're, you're saying it's not anything the first jukebox? Um, is it the first anything jukebox? The first. Is it the first movie juice, jukebox musical? I don't believe so. Right? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I mean, if no, anything, I don't go, think so. I think. I, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Because anything. Oh, and I just and then I know we've talked at length about this, but I do want to get to. Why you think this doesn't this film doesn't like women? Because because you did bring that point up a couple oh, times, and I know that's on your mind. So tell me why you think uh. that's the case. I'm curious. I'm legitimately curious why you feel that way. I just uh, I don't. It's it's hard because watching a movie that was made in nineteen, let's say eighty, right? It was released in eighty one. I you know I. Uh, there's there are demeaning moments in this movie for women, and Just you don't hands down, and and, and, and you don't that, think those women that women didn't endure those kind of things. I, I'm gonna oh, give you no, I'm no, gonna no, back up no, 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 and so, no, no, but you, but you did. But you're saying they, that women that de, that were demeaned and were in those situations don't have every right to representation as anybody else. I, no, no, I don't believe that. I wonder when you have um like uh, men in charge. Of writing, let's see here, directed by a man, written by a man, mm-hmm. 
based on a fucking thing by a man, produced by one, two men. Nora Kay was a producer here. Okay. Shot by a man, starring mostly men. You know, I, you know. Who cares? I'm just saying. Like, shit? I, that's, I, see, this, that's, that's like well, saying, that's like saying, because I honked my horn, the light turned green. Those two things might be in continuation, but they are not caused one by the other. There are human beings, and in many cases, women that go through this because we don't feel like it's politically correct or that it's representative of more powerful women. Do those women not deserve some sense of representation? And and because I love I love the idea that Bernadette Peters in the 1930s would fall for this lying piece of shit, get pregnant have the baby and raise him because she's such a powerful woman. I love that idea, but that's not how most life works. And that does not tell the story that they're trying to tell. I don't think it was anti-woman. I think, in fact, it was very pro-woman because it, it demonstrates how awful it was for those women in the 1930s to be women in the 1930s. From a man's perspective. From anybody's perspective. No, no, no. From no. anybody's I'm, I'm just, perspective. I'm just saying in terms of the people involved of the filmmaking. I'm, I'm just... So you. So what you're saying is a, a person's penis between his legs prevents him from having a basic sense of humanity? Uh, no. No. I guess I would have to question, well, like, like, who did they talk to when they were writing this story? What? What? Why does it matter? What was it... Because to me, and like the, and the my wife that I was fucking watching it with, like it was a it was it was a lot. It was a lot. It was just well that and those things really happened on a regular basis. Oh no! And in fact, in some I, and in some countries, those things happen a lot now. I don't disagree. I just and you don't have to have one of those women on the on the script writing thing to be able to actually accurately portray that. I guess I. Yeah, I guess I wonder how it would be presented now. If it would be whitewashed or uh, sex-washed, if we can call it that. Absolutely. I don't know. You don't see movies like that. You don't see movies like that. We don't want to see harsh truth. We want to see empowerment. And that's what... And I get it, and I, I'm, I'm all right with that. But I'm not going to change what exists and reality as it stands oh, by no. questioning the motives because oh, i don't no. think that i i no. honestly do not for a second believe that all of the men involved in this were like yeah sugar tits come on maybe they were i don't no, know i mean like but i if, but i can't if, cast the aspersion well, and no, just because they're I, men doesn't mean they don't understand a basic storyline of the if, story it was a good story if i didn't if, if maybe i misrepresented my i don't i don't mean to try to change history I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm looking at shit from back in the day, right? And like through a modern lens and thinking of it that way, like as it stands for when it was written and when it was produced and when it was made and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, I got to look at it through that. And I, and see, I, I do, do. I and I do, and I do. I, I look at it, I look at it the same way. It is uh, whether whether because I don't think this is a dated film in any. I you know I, I can think of other movies. I mean, it, well, hold on. I dated. mean, let's be honest. It was dated at the time, right? This was made in nineteen eighty well, no, something, and the yeah, fucking shit is all from the nineteen thirties. So you know, if you want to be a dick about it, it was dated no, well, then. But, but we're was, not being a dick dated. about it because we enjoy yeah. the movie on certain levels. Yeah. It, uh, but, well, the thing is, it was it was a soundstage movie. It was uh, a 1930s representation. It was no more dated than The Godfather. In that, yes, it is certainly of its time, but it has no... But you don't watch The Godfather and go, oh, yeah, 1970s. And you don't watch this and go, oh, 1980s. This is 1930s, and it's done very well in the 1930s. It looks like the 1930s. It sounds like the 1930s. I wish it was so, black and white. I wish it was black and white. You look for the person who will benefit, and uh, uh, you know. Uh, I am the walrus. You know, you'll. Uh, uh, well, you know what I'm trying to say. I am the walrus. Uh, 
fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. I am the walrus. That's ex Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The I. Lenin. Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. The fuck is he talking? 1982, which is a year after this uh, Pendish from Heaven was released. 1982 had Steve Martin, Carl Reiner team up and make a movie called mm -hmm. Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Yep. And the conceit of that movie is that Steve Martin is basically acting opposite, uh, I think, like three or four real actors in the movie. Yep. Um, yeah. But otherwise, else. otherwise. Yeah. He's acting opposite Ingrid Bergman, Humphrey Bogart, Jimmy Cagney, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, Kirk Douglas, Ava Gardner, Cary Grant, Veronica Lake, Burt Lancaster, blah, 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 blah. Right? All these black yeah. and white people from, it was, from back in the day. It's a very funny movie. And it's just, it's, it's, it's modern footage of Steve Martin in black and white cut together with all of these movies of all of these uh, Lana Turner, Barbara Stanwyck, Vincent Price, Charles Lawton, right? It's yeah. all, it's uh, yeah. all it's, of I, this shit It's cut so back much and, fun. It's so an amazing fun. movie. And like, I really believe that, that movie could not exist without Pennies from Heaven. I, 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 I honestly that. believe I, that. I, 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 think, I completely I think, agree with that. I mean, there was there was a moment there was a moment in Pennies from Heaven where, um, uh, let me look at my notes here. They were doing a shadow cast. Oh yeah, it was the shadow cast uh, when he's. Uh, did you ever see a dream walking? Well, I, I did. did. Yeah, and where she's she. He goes to kiss her, and she she suddenly yeah, jumps. Let's face the music. The let's let's face the music yeah. and dance. Yeah. There was a shadow cast. They they're in a movie theater watching this moment happen on oh, screen with with Fred right. Astaire, and they get up on the stage. It's so good. And there it's is so good. The, there is the let's face the music and dance on the big screen, and him and, and Bernadette Peters are on. right in front, That's... and they're doing the moves. They're doing the moves. Spot yeah. fucking on. Like oh yeah, even it's even her on. head tilt, even oh, her head oh, tilt is it's, on, on it's, par. It's, oh, it's, it's so gorgeous. Good. It's gorgeous, and it reminds yeah. me of when I went to go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and like yeah. they've got it on the big screen, and this cast gets so up there fun. and does their fucking shit right. Like yeah. th that was amazing to me. That was amazing. All right. So so which that good good. Well, that leads me, um, and I think it's interesting that uh, two of our derivative films are non-musicals, and two of them are musicals. So, Dead Man with Plaid is not a musical, not at all. But I see exactly, I see exactly how that could be inspired by Pennies from Heaven. Yeah, I think the purple, the Purple Rose of Cairo, mm -hmm. uh, nineteen eighty-five, mm -hmm. absolutely, and it, and and there is that it's set in the Depression. Now it is in black and white. But yeah. it's set in the Depression. Actually, it's more set in sepia tone, but okay. Because um, well, it's not a legit black and white film. It's more sepia, sort of like Sandy. But it's Mia Farrow. It's the Depression. She doesn't know what to do with her life, so she watches a lot of movies. And then this character from the movies, played by Jeff Daniels, comes out and becomes a part of her world. It ends with them. And that's what I love about, you know, is because you've got the... I, what, I can't remember what the song is in Purple Rose of Cairo, but it ends with them jumping onto the screen and doing a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers dance. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and so there's there's a real derivative, you know, not derivative. I don't like the word derivative. No, no, it, no. Yeah, it, we got to, yeah, we should probably inspired. change that. Inspired. It yeah, inspired yeah, yeah. that. So yeah, yeah. That, my, my first inspiration is Purple Rose of Cairo, another one of my absolute favorite movies uh, of that time period. I mean, it's a great movie. And and honestly, like, it, it leads me into that thing of like, why wasn't this movie black and white? You already had Young Frankenstein. You already had Woody Allen was solidly in his black and white fucking period. Like, didn't I, want to. No, no, I, I look, answer, it was a fucking choice. No, it, I, it was a choice. I think look, the look, answer, look, I think the color, answer is he wanted to represent those paintings. He wanted to rep those, represent those paintings, and that was more important than it being black and white. I think that's probably why he chose that. I wasn't he, there, but yeah, that would be my guess. Then he should have done it more. So what's your, your second uh, inspirational Oh, fucking Moulin Rouge. was inspired. Moulin Rouge, hands down. Yeah. It's a juke. Do you it's like a, that? It's a jukebox musical. Yeah. But it's a, ju it's a jukebox musical through the lens of fucking Boz Lorman. Who just. Yeah, so it's I nuts. mean, I'm sorry. That it's guy nuts. is. That guy is. I love that guy. A fucking. He's awesome. I mean, you talk, you talk about the theatricality of 
pennies from heaven. Like Baz yeah. Luhrmann, Baz Luhrmann. Oh man, the theatricality of Moulin Rouge. Oh yeah. I hope. I yeah, hope. I, I hope. I hope we get a chance to talk someday about uh, Romeo and Juliet. His, I'm his, sure his we will. Take on I'm that. Sh- his- because yeah, that was that I'm was sure so influential to me at that time period, yeah. my age, whatever. Um, but Moulin Rouge, and you reminded me of that when I was fronting on Nicole Kidman for uh, the the fucking uh, what's it called? Being the, the Ricardos, the Ricardos shit. But Moulin, Moulin Rouge, Rouge Moulin phenomenal, Rouge. phenomenal fucking acting, d- d- directing Great story the music, line, the musical, everything. the musical choices, the song choices in that movie. Roxanne, uh, Roxanne. Oh right! Oh well, fucking Roxanne, dude. It's one of the best. Just, that's one of the best. It's just one of the best uses of that song. And so good. It, oh, God, so that's good. that's so good. so good. My 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 second oh. uh, thing inspired again theatrical because who could you get that's more theatrical than Baz Luhrmann, Julie motherfucking Tamor, mm. um, mm-hmm. and across the universe, across the universe. Yeah. I'll be honest. And that's a harder movie to. That's I've never, a seen, movie I've to never watch. seen it. I've never seen it. Oh my god! Well, if you it. want theatrical, then then you got it. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, yeah, just I think. Look I think, up on the video. Look up on video. Happiness is a warm gun, because it is basically Jude. Because Jude is a character. Mm-hmm. Um, he is indoctrination into the Vietnam War. And it is filled with all that Julie Tamer. Here's a whole bunch of dudes in masks marching and all this weird shit. It is extremely theatrical. It's also really neat that 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 I like. It's like one of the "I Want to Hold Your Hand" mm-hmm. um, is sung by this young Asian woman, and she's singing about a woman hmm. longing. She's a lesbian longing for a woman's company, and it's really Word. done very well. Fucking I man. really like it. I. I yeah, love the I Beatles, guess, but I really think it's great. I guess, but it's look, a great I, jukebox well, music. You know, we talked about this briefly, but um, off off podcast. But I was not, I did not come up as a Beatles person at all. I found the See, Be- I, did, I yeah. found the Beatles fucking stoned one day in my twenties, and it was amazing. <laughs> and God bless. And it, you know what? It was the right time for me to find the Beatles, and God bless yeah. that it happened. And thank you. But um, I think there was something about this cast. Look, I love Julie Timor. Um, her, um, what was it? Uh, Titus. Titus and oh my god! Like that is a, that is uh, it's life changing. That fucking that play should never be done on stage. <laughs> if it is done yeah, on stage, I would like to maybe see it. But that movie was fucking outstanding. I was like, holy shit! Yeah. Um, so Julie Timor, uh, the Lion King, right? Like Julie Timor yeah. is yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, there was something about this cast. And using Beale cover song, I would just kind of like, I, you know, what? it seems Fuck lame, this movie. but you know what? I think it's I'll, really I'll beautiful. Check it out. I'll it's check it really out. beautiful. Right on. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's it's worth the time. Uh, when it came out, a lot of people did not care for it because it is again, and I guess that's why I like it so much, mm-hmm. um, and why I think it is inspired in a lot of ways by Pennies from Heaven. Is it is a jarring experience. It's just a jarring experience when you have artists throw out this much fastball and swing this hard at the plate, and 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 it's going to work for some people, and it's really, really not going to work for others. And in my opinion, that's great art. That's great art because I always say everybody in the free world loves McDonald's, and McDonald's is kind of shitty food. Swing for the fucking fences, man! Like swing, nail it, go for, go for fences. I love it. So 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 do we want to hear your trailer or my trailer? Oh man, what, what is what, what is do you want to hear tra- first? What is your trailer? Let's do your trailer. Well, I don't know what your trailer is. All right, we're gonna, where is it? There's a star waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he'd blow our People, 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 people. 
infinity. And it's Lightyear. Oh wow! The oh, Pixar, like the, Chris... the Pixar, Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear. Okay. It's the Buzz Lightyear standalone film. I wow. cannot wait to see this. Okay. And and I understand sort of the idea. Oh my God! Do we really? Here's the thing. Pixar, name one movie oh, Pixar no, made can't. that sucked. I love Pixar. Yeah. I love Pixar. I can't wait is to it, see is it, is it animated? It's not live action, yeah. right? Oh, no, no. This is this is Pixar. So it is, it's it is Pixar. Compu- it's computer-generated animation. I'm, fine. Get rid, of, get rid of fucking, what's his fucking tool, tool time? Uh, get rid, I don't give a fuck. Tim Allen. Uh, yeah, fuck yeah. him. I don't yeah. care. Fine. 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 I don't care. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very care. excited because I look number one, it he's looks handsome, phenomenal. he's ta- he's handsome, he's talented. He was in yeah, uh, but it's, he was in Knives Out, right? Yeah. He was in Knives <coughs> yeah, Out. But no God bless. the thing the, I love him. the thing I love about it is it's it's Pixar. It's let's take this character and actually put him in space like he's a yeah. real character. That's a, fun. A real person. It looks funny. It looks lovely. Um, unfortunately, it's a bad trailer to put on a podcast because there's almost no words in the entire thing. No, because it's animated. A, <laughs> yes, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So I can't wait to see Lightyear. When my 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 mom and I went and saw West Side Story over Christmas. And, oh, how uh, was that? Lightyear. How was that? How I was loved it. Yeah. Let's put it this way: When we came home, the first word out of my mouth when Dana said, "How was it?" was yeah masterpiece lovely here is your trailer we're looking for an artist someone who can restore a recently acquired collection of damaged videotapes well what kind of damage fire damage there's just one hitch because the materials are so fragile they can't be moved so you'd be doing the work at our remote research facility creating this archive putting this puzzle together would mean the world to everyone who lost someone in that fire. I'm Melody Pendris. It's March 11th, 1994, 10.32 a.m. This is day one of the Oral History Project on the Vista Apartment Building. I'm now gonna go knock on some doors. Wish me luck. Do you hear it? Hear what? There's something in this place that calls to you. Hello? Hello? Oh, man. Archive 81. What the fuck is that? So, look. I mean, since... Like 1980. That looks Cannibal great. Holoca- Cannibal Holocaust came out in 1980, and that was like probably uh-huh. the first kind of found footage horror movie. And then like a Blair Witch 1999, right? And then in recent times, the fucking found footage shit has gone back and forth with b- between being really fucking terrifying and cool and being like really garbage. This looks yeah. like a lot of fucking fun, and it, yeah. uh, James Wan is executive uh-huh. producing this. Um, yeah, yeah. He's not written or directed any of the episodes, but if he's involved as an exec producer, like... It's going to be good. I got to feel good. like, based on this trailer, it looks really fucking good. It looks really good. Archive... Well, it's, eight, it, 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 go it's got yeah. elements... It's got elements of The Ring. It's got elements of, uh, like... Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I mean, yeah, this looks. This yeah. it's got some like like some bloody eyes wide shut shit going I on. Love, that I love. That looks fucking I love, awesome. I love me some cult shit, man. It's the most. Ter- yeah, there you go. Religion and cult shit fucking terrifies me. Like ghosts, monsters, serial killers. It's like ah, whatever. Not serial killers. Um, like mass serial yeah. killers. Like, yeah, mass. Right, right, yeah, right, right, the whole, right, that, right. that masking right, thing. Yeah, real serial killers exist, but you know, um, yeah, no, this this looks. Oh dope. man, this looks dope as fuck. Um, I believe it will drop the same night this podcast drops. Uh, the 14th. Oh, right? the 14th. The Believe 14th. So. Yeah. Believe so. Yeah, yeah. So check it out. Um, we want you to uh, absolutely subscribe to our podcast, I Like to Watch. We do it every two weeks. The next one, this one will drop the 14th. next one will come out. And what is the movie we're going to talk about next time, Donnie? 
We're going to talk about Die Hard, because why the fuck not? <laughs> Die Hard is awesome. <laughs> it was just Christmas, so why not talk about Die Hard? But before we go, I will say this oh, about yes. Pennies from Heaven. Yes. For all of our big movie fans out there, and all of our casual listeners, this movie is bleak as hell, and I would only uh-huh. recommend, I would only recommend this movie for people who really like to watch movies. Yeah. And I would recommend this movie to anyone in the world because I think it's the most beautiful thing. It's one of the most beautiful films I have ever seen. And there you go. That's we're, that's the beauty of this podcast is yeah. that we're not always going to agree, but we're always going to have an opinion. Yeah. And what what more can you ask from a couple of mediocre white men? True that. We're going to have an we're going to have an opinion. Word word. All right, thank you Donnie. Good stuff. We'll talk about Die Hard next time. Word word.